Our text for tonight is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And this is uh, from the NIV. And you can follow along on the slides up here on the screen or in your pew Bibles if you want. Uh, it's the same translation if you want to follow along and read some of the text on either side of this. Starting in verse 26. It's the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to, to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome everyone here tonight. If you are here visiting with us for the first time, especially, we want to welcome you. Uh, if you've been here forever, uh, we want to welcome you. Uh, we're in this series right now called Rooted. And over the course of this month, we're talking about being rooted in equality. And what does that mean to be rooted in equality in the context of the church? And one of the things I want to say to you tonight is thank you, Mother. Because the church, according to Scripture, is our mother. So all of you here are a part of that. And I hope by the end of tonight, that you begin to think more about what does it mean that we are all part of this thing, that we are all considered the mother. Maybe you've never thought about it that way before, but I hope by the end of tonight, you will begin to think more and more about that. Uh, when we did this thing called church planting assessment, that's basically where my wife and I went to an assessment to see if we could plant a church or not, to start churches. Uh, we had to go to Atlanta, and this church uh, assessment organization that did this assessment actually didn't ordain women. It, it was run by a tradition that didn't ordain women. But they said something to me so surprising by the end of our assessment time. And that was, Keith, you need to listen to your wife. She is so wise. And some of these women are like, people are shaking their heads right now. Yeah trying to remind me. And, and, and I was like, okay, all right, okay, I hear you. And um, 
And I, I, I've grown in that and understanding what they meant over time. Um, God has opened my eyes more and more and more. And one of the things that's been remarkable to travel and journey with my wife in is uh, babies, the, the, the journey of her giving birth and, and having babies. And she's actually uh, been pregnant eight times. We have five kids, she's been pregnant eight times, three miscarriages. Um, each time my wife got pregnant, uh, there was this season and I feel like it was probably for about, you know, six months before the baby was born to about a year and a half after uh, the baby was born where my wife kind of wasn't there as much anymore. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about, but all of a sudden her body is changing. These things are happening. She's not sleeping as much. She's like tired. And then this baby comes out. Like, you know, I mean, her body is being taken over. It's like an alien invasion. And then this baby comes out and that thing needs to be cared for like 24 seven. And she was doing that and like waking up in the middle of the night. And I was like, oh my God, we're not sleeping. This is crazy. And for like a year and a half, I didn't realize this till after. I looked back and I was like, after that year and a half of the baby being born, all of a sudden, like, I started feeling my wife coming back. Oh, there you are. <laughs> hey, honey. Um, and it's just like weird things. So we've been down that journey multiple times. And we are at that stage right now. That our Watson, he's the last uh, one that we had. Uh, we're like a year and a half after. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing my wife come back. Like, hey, honey, how are you? And I think some of you guys are seeing that too because it's like she has like more free time now and different things. But um, I just want to give you a window because some of you guys don't get to see my wife outside of the context of church maybe. And on, uh, we've had all these plays at my kid's school this week. Uh, it's a lot of plays uh, when there's that many kids. And so we're there like all the time and, and we can't all the time stay in the play even though we want to. So I was in Maddie's play watching Maddie sing and Amy had Kyla, uh, Watson, and Harper, uh, and Lily out on the basketball court because everybody was going nuts and they couldn't stand there anymore. And so the play finishes, I come out, and all of them are coming down the sidewalk, but the one who's like bouncing the most is Amy. She's like super pumped, super excited, and I'm like, what is happening? And Amy says, this girl said to her, Mama can shoot, mama can shoot. And so Amy was dropping threes. Like she played basketball in high school and none of the kids knew that, right? And she was like the one on the team who was making all the shots. And the kids are all like, they start chanting like mama can shoot, you know? And so Amy's feeling super like alive, super like proud. And this is what she says though. She's like, Harper? was so impressed. <laughs> and you know what? I made him feel really good out there. He knows that all those kids think his mom's cool now. <laughs> That's what she felt good about, you know? And then so we leave uh, their school, we drive down, we get off on Lake Worth, I mean on uh, Forest Hill, and we come down Forest Hill and we get to uh, Dixie right there in front of Havana's. And there's this guy, Samoan man, um, standing there with a case of Corona, like a 24 case. 
And he was like a very large Samoan man, like the man you would like imagine like a Samoan man with like tattoos and all that stuff. And he has this huge like carved fish hook right here in the middle of his chest. It was like from a movie or something, right? And my wife rolls down the window and she hangs out the window. She's like, Kai, what's up? Kai, what's up? And he's like, hey, how's it going? I got my own place. She's like, no way, that's awesome. I'm like, Where, what is this social life my wife has with this, who is this person? Well, you may, you may remember that like probably a couple months ago, I told a story about my wife on the way to school and the, the red lights weren't working at the intersection of Forest Hill and the interstate there at 95. And there was this homeless guy out directing traffic. And that homeless guy was Kai. And my wife um, became friends with him. And she had like dialogue with this guy and they like talk and she's like giving him free Frosties. I don't know how she gets these free Frosty coupons and stuff. And like she has this relationship with this guy. And my wife, to see my wife like coming alive is something that is so cool. And it's so beautiful. And I want to know, I want to tell you that I think sometimes some of us may have been brought up in religion or brought up in, in, in churches where a woman being alive was dangerous, where a woman being alive was a threat. And I want to tell you that it's remarkable, that it is life-changing, that it is so powerful and it is so beautiful. And if you haven't had a woman who's alive in your life, maybe some of you have been scarred. We talk about God being a father sometimes, and that, 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 that can be a scar for people because maybe you didn't have a father who was that good. And some, some of us don't have mothers, or some of us have lost our mothers. It's painful even to talk about mothers. But I'm telling you, to, to see a woman be alive is something that has changed my life. And it showed me that I was missing how alive some of these women were in scripture, Mary being one of them. So alive. The text that we're going into tonight from Luke, I never saw it the way I see it now. And one of the things that I've had to pay attention to is that not only is there a text on the page, but there's a text in my heart that was blinding me to the text on the page that I didn't see the royalty of this woman. I didn't see the grace. I didn't see the courage. And I didn't see the freedom and even the little bit of fear that she had from her own power, the power that was gonna come from, through her. In verse 26, it says the angel goes to Nazareth and and God sent this angel there. And the word for Nazareth, what that word means is actually branch. And in Isaiah 11:1, 1, we learned that that's from Jesse's branch, a root will bear fruit. There's this prophecy in the Old Testament about this, this branch bearing fruit coming out of the root of Jesse. And then in verse 27, there's this word, virgin. Virgin. I remember the first... Uh, time I heard virgin in a movie was Police Academy. Probably many of you don't know what that movie is. Classic comedy. 
And these people are having this dialogue in a bar. And this guy, he's a real macho guy, and he's talking to his friend, and he's finally getting intimate. And he tells his friend, I'm a virgin! And the music has, like, stopped. And I just remember going, that's something embarrassing. Like, you don't want to be that. But that's not the emphasis here. In the church, we, we've made a, a deal about the vir- Mary being a virgin as it was like a sacred thing. That is not the emphasis of the text here. That's not what, why, why Mary brings up the idea of her being a virgin. It was a statement of limitation. She is making a statement of limitation. You are saying that I'm going to have a child, and I'm telling you I am a virgin. That is not going to happen. There is a limitation here. And we see this even sometimes in the church or in the world, this idea that a woman needs a man to give her value in this world. That same type of limitation being placed, that Mary places on herself as a virgin, women can place on themselves just from being a woman. And they can say things like, but I'm single, but I'm too young, but I'm divorced, but I'm too old. You put whatever limitation you want that God actually is going to give birth through you for something. But I want you to know that the most famous mother that we think about in pop culture today, she never gave birth to children. But she cared for so many. Mother Teresa. She cared for so many. And in verse 28, greetings full of grace. This is what the angel says. It's like her title. Greetings full of grace. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You are truly blessed. You are fully graced. Literally, you have been graced. Perfect tense. It is still happening. It is still happening. That there is something, this blessing that is going to come through you, Mary. In verse 29, Mary is scared. What does this mean? What is this thing that is growing inside of me, the power of God, the grace of God that is going to come through me? So I just want you to stop for a second and ask yourself that to receive the grace of God, that the power of God has come into you It's come into you and wants to come out. What limitations are you putting on yourself to be a power player, if you will? What limitations have you put on yourself? And sometimes in the church, I hear this from women, is that they don't want to speak up and use their voice because maybe they were told that in the church they were to be silent and be quiet. And there's actually a scripture, there's actually a scripture that talks about women being silent. And the context of that is very important to understand. If you want to understand the context of that, you can come to me after, I'll give you a resource, you can read about it. But it's not what it means. It doesn't mean for women to be quiet in that sense. But that we need your power here. We need your power. Men, I ask you the same question. What is it 
that you limit? How do you limit yourself? Are you afraid of the power that can be born through you? Part of my journey is learning that I'm powerful and that I was so scared of that. I was so scared of it. We had a royal birth recently. I'm sure some of you have heard about it. Um, Megan and Harry, I hope I got that right. Um, and, uh, you know, there's kind of this obsession with royalty. I don't get it all, all the time. Uh, I do watch the Today Show on my days off sometimes, and they always are talking about this royal wedding, and they have a guy assigned just to the royal family. And I, if you're from the UK, I'm sorry. I just, I don't understand all the obsession. But anyway, so there's this baby that's been born, and I was really curious, you know, how does this work? How, how does this whole royalty, the lineage work in the royal family uh, in the United Kingdom? And one of the things I found out, I don't know if you guys know this, I hope I'm not busting anybody's bubble tonight, but uh, apparently Meghan and Kate will never actually become official queens. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Um, yeah, and, um, and even, uh, I don't know who you like better, William or uh, Harry, is that right? Harry's the other guy. Uh, so. If, if William, you know, once the queen dies, William would be like number one king and then, and then Harry, I guess, would, would follow But if, if he died. But really, it's William's son who will be the next in power. And these ladies that married into the royal family, they don't ever really get to own it, to be a queen. There's like another term for it. And I was kind of like bummed out about that. I thought that was a little disappointing. I, you know, I'm, I'm even less enchanted by this whole thing now. Um, I don't really like these rules. And, and, and here in this story, we begin to see this whole other royalty, this royal birth beginning to, be, to unfold. And in verse 34, or in verse 30, I'm sorry, he says, the angel says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God, Mary. In verse 31, you will give birth to a son. Okay, thanks. That makes me feel better. Uh, just, just side note here. I don't know if you know this, but in our world today, every two minutes, a woman dies uh, in birth. That still today, one of the most dangerous things a woman can do in her life is get pregnant. So the angel is telling that, and this is ancient Near Eastern world, angel is telling that you're going to give birth to a son. Okay, thanks. Um, that's not calming me down. His name will be Jesus. You'll call him Jesus or Yeshua. And that's a common name. It means that Yahweh saves. It wasn't like some crazy name that they had never heard before. Verse 32, he will be great called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. All of a sudden, now we're starting to talk about royalty. All of a sudden, now things are getting a little more serious. This is getting messianic. This is like, whoa, something is shifting here. Something is shifting. Verse 33, and his kingdom will never end. This is starting to sound like royalty is going to come through this woman. Royalty is going to come through this woman. And if you jump back all the way to verse 28, you won't see it in the NIV translation that we read up here in the, the books in, in your, uh, your pews. But if you go back to the Greek, what the angel actually says to her is not greetings. 
But he says, hail, full of grace. He greets her as a queen, as a royalty. Not like half royalty, royalty. Hail, woman. You are royalty. This woman from Nazareth, you are royalty. And there is a kingdom that is getting ready to be born through you. The world is getting ready to be reborn through you. Royalty. He is saying that she is royalty. And guys, it's not just her. When we learn from the New Testament, as we go further into the New Testament, that everyone that is impacted, that becomes a part of this new beginning that is happening, is called royalty. That is called heirs to this kingdom. So if you're a woman here tonight, if you're a man here tonight, you are royalty. Own it. Own that. But again, Mary says, how will this be in verse 34? I am a virgin. She isn't mesmerized by the son of the most high stuff or the eternal kingdom talk. She's like, bro, I'm a virgin. You're not hearing it. I haven't had sex. And again, she's pointing this to the limit, as a limitation. God, this angel, is calling her royalty. And again, she is pointing to her limitation. Church, as I say to you tonight that you are royalty, where's the limitation that you put on? that you are royalty. And I would ask you just for a second, if you could imagine if you actually believed that you were a queen or a king here tonight, how would you walk differently? How would you talk differently? How would you live differently? How would you expect people to treat you? How would you treat others? If you really believe that you were royalty and they were royalty too, would it change anything? Because the Bible says you are. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, uh, Mary is mentioned in every single service. She's mentioned in every single church service. She is given the title, and this is a title among other denominations as well, the mother of God. She, and this is so important to hear, is not an instrument once used that was laid aside and forgotten. In many of the Protestant traditions that I've been a part of in the church, Mary was like, oh, once a year, great, thanks for giving birth to Jesus, see you later. Um, Mary is made little, Jesus is made big, and I understand why people have done that, especially in the Protestant church and the Reformation, uh, where the Catholic church makes much of Mary. And in reaction, the Protestants put her on the side. 
said, okay, Mary, I'll put you down here. And we have failed to see the royalty and the beauty of this woman because of that. But in the Eastern Orthodox Church, they have hymns that are sung honoring Mary. And when those are sung, guess what you have to do? You have to stand up. You have to stand up to honor this woman. In some of their services, the whole service, the church is standing, honoring this woman, honoring Mary, honoring the courage, honoring her journey. One of the songs is called, To You, Invincible Champion. Yes. To You, Invincible Champion. That this woman gave birth to a new kingdom, to the kingdom of God, that her mind was opened in such a way to not just see her own reality and her own limitations, but to begin to see the mind of God, to see the things of God, to dream like God about his kingdom coming here on earth like it is in heaven, and that she would be a part of that. In verse 35, the Spirit of God will come on you. And this takes us back to Genesis 1 where creation is happening and the Spirit of God is hovering over the earth and this new world is being created. That's where Luke is taking us. Back to that imagery. That for us, the Spirit of God comes into our lives and he says, I am going to make you new. And then something is going to be born out of you that is going to make the whole world new. The world is about to be reborn through Mary. And then in verse 36, he says, even Elizabeth, one who couldn't conceive because she was old. She was old. She was past her prime. Even Elizabeth, with the limitations you put on her, she's going to bring. She's a part of bringing this kingdom. Verse 7, verse 37, for the word from God will never fail. Or another way to say that, for the breath of God will never fail. What God has breathed into being will never fail. In fact, when we hear John talk about Jesus uh, coming into this world, he says that God sent his breath, he sent his word into this world, that Jesus is the breath of God walking around, bringing this kingdom to bear. And we sang the song tonight, and Sarah Claire reminded me, I got a river of life flowing out of me. This is Mary's song, in birth, right? Uh, makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, opens prison's doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. That's the song of the church, the mother church. And last week, uh, our friend Cedric was here. He's come a few times. Cedric is homeless, and he doesn't mind me sharing this, but uh, he com- comes, and, and I, I, we were hanging out at the Lord's Place like a, about two weeks ago, and he's like, man, I just want you, I don't want a handout. I just want you to buy me some, some, some car wash supplies, man. I want to I start a car wash business. I already have some people lined up. I was like, great, man. If you can come to church next week, because all I have right now is my scooter, and you and I can't ride on my scooter with your backpack to the uh, Walmart to get all the supplies. So Cedric showed up here last week uh, soaking wet, and uh, Rick and Curtis took him 
to Walmart, bought him his supplies, got him some food, and Monday, he was washing cars. Tuesday, he was washing, he's been washing cars. And this little church gave birth to something. But you guys are doing this stuff all the time. You're doing it all the time. And I get to hear about it. And it's so cool. And we want more people to hear about the things that are being born out of this church. Here's the crazy thing with Mary. Mary is called royalty by God. Says that she's so powerful that the kingdom of God is going to be born through her and it's going to come into the world. That's how powerful she is. And what does she do? Does this inflate her ego? Does she send out 60 tweets? No, she doesn't. She goes and shares it with a good friend. But to the angel, she says, I am your servant, Lord. Humility. When you really realize and believe that you are royalty and that you have the power, the spirit of God living inside of you and that he wants to give birth to something in this world despite any limitations you want to put on it, it doesn't inflate your ego or make you into a narcissistic uh, jerk. It actually brings you closer to the earth. It grounds your feet in the dirt. You say, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be. That's the call of our church. Despite all our limitations that we might put on ourselves, that the spirit of God is here and he wants to give birth to his kingdom here in the city, in our own lives, to heal us, to set us free. And I'll leave you with this. In the Catholic Church, they have this incredible image of Mary with the 12 crowns, or with the, the 12 stars on her crown. Queen Mary. Amazing, right? You see this incredibly like royal, distinguished woman in a way. But there's something right at the middle of the picture you can't miss. Right at the middle of the icon that you can't miss. And that's a heart. And that heart has a sword through it. In Luke chapter 2, the prophet says that Mary, through you, and through, I mean through Christ, that many hearts, many things in the heart will be revealed. But your heart also is going to be pierced. The process of giving birth to the things of God, the process of walking on this journey together hurts. It's going to hurt. But the road to freedom always hurts. But it's a price worth paying. It's a price worth paying. It's one Christ has paid for us. Let us pray.